Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. The mystery of the kingdom. The mystery, the love of Christ for his church. The mystery of holiness. So much about you is mystery, Lord. All of eternity. We will be discovering the incredible mystery of Christ. Of God in Christ. Even this night, Lord, as we look into your word, I pray your word will look into us. When we look into us, we hardly see anything. We feel everything is fine. But when your word looks into us, your living word looks into us, we see the hand of God showing things in us which we never saw before. The mercy of God forgiving, the grace of God equipping. We know we are loved. I pray everybody who hearing in their homes, they feel loved by God. Never doubt the love of God. For the cross stands there as an eternal symbol of how much God loves us. So this evening, Father, I pray when as we look into thy word, you would speak once again, you would teach us once again, you prepare us once again, you would open our eyes once again, Lord. Open eyes, open eyes, Lord. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First I want to turn to First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. पहली कुरिंदियर की चिट्टी दसवे अध्याय और बत्तीस सोमवाक्य। My North Indian friends would be very happy. Oh yeah, give none offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the Church of God. Okay, that's not the text for today at all. But God divides the world into three: the Jews, the Gentiles, and the Church of Christ. When God wrote. Uh, uh, when this was written, Islam was in there. So Islam would kind of fall among the Jews because it's the law. In some way a little manipulated, but still the law. So you have the law, the Gentiles and the church. The problem is this. The Bible says very clearly, the world, God of this world has blinded the eyes of the Gentiles. So they cannot see at all. As far as those who are under the law, the Jew is concerned, scripture says they are not blinded, but whenever they read the law, there is a veil over them. So there is the blinded people, the ones who with a veil over their face, and then there are the third set of people who see with open faces. Okay, so three sets of people, the blinded, the veiled, and the open. And that's a good title, right? It's a good title, okay. Very rarely do you get a title in the beginning of a sermon, okay? The blinded, but don't go there because that may not be the message at all. So we saw a little before earlier in the Nepali service, 
we see Jesus talking about in uh, <coughs> Matthew chapter 24. Right? That's what we looked. 7, sorry, uh, beginning. Matthew 24. Go to the beginning. <coughs> and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him to show him the temple. Jesus said to them, okay, go to 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us what then shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world. And the first thing Jesus said was, Jesus answered and said to them, unto them, Take heed that no one deceives you. The first warning, the most repeated warning in his discourse, the Oliver discoursed, the signs of the last days is, beware of deception. Because people can take the sign and uh, use the sign to deceive you. Like simple. Jesus, we have what's called the Lord's Supper. Okay, Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is only an emblem of his body and his blood. Now you can take that emblem and go to an extreme and says when you eat it, it becomes the body of Christ and when you drink, it becomes your blood. So as soon as you go through the Eucharist, you are saved. Your life is not so much. This symbol is so, so, excuse me, so important. Then the other side also is there. It doesn't matter if you judge or you not judge. As long as you partake of communion, the emblems, you are safe. Then there is the middle ground which says, judge yourself, body and the blood, then partake of it, you will be strong, illness doesn't have to come in, and you will be awake. Okay? So symbols, signs also can be misread. That's why before he talks about any sign, he said, be very careful, because people will misuse the sign, and you will get deceived. Always beware of deception. And the problem, the actual problem about the deception is this. Only the people in the church can be deceived. The people outside cannot be deceived. They cannot be deceived. Because they are already deceived. They are blinded. They are not deceived. They are blinded. Okay? The, the, the people in the world are blinded. Like the illustration I used in the Nepali service was... If I give a blind man a hundred rupee note, he doesn't know whether it is fake or genuine. Because he's blind. But if I give a hundred rupee note to a man who can see, I need to be very, very sure the hundred rupee note is as good as the original. Okay, the other one I just have to see the texture, everything is kind of same shape and he is not able to see. But because of that, he's not very sure. So remember, deception happens within the church. Within the church. So that's why we need to know the Old Testament because that's a shadow. But we need to know the substance. We cannot leave the shadow out. Because before the new covenant came the old covenant. So the old covenant reveals the new covenant. Okay, We understand the new covenant better when we study the old covenant. So that's what we are looking at. And if you come down to verse 7 and 8, okay, for nation shall rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famine and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. I like the other translation. You don't have to go there, which is the beginning of labor pains. Okay, In labor pains, there are two things 
there are in labor pains. One there is pain and then one there is joy. There is pain because it is labor. There is pain. And there is joy because you know at the end of labor there is something that is going to happen. And you've been waiting for that for a long time. That's that's the conservative woman who gets pregnant. Not the liberals who are waiting to abort the baby. Okay, and for them conception itself is a pain. We are not talking about that. We are talking about the natural order of God where having a baby is it's a beautiful thing. Okay, so here, labor pain. So there is pain, but there is joy. So we are not denying the pain. We are all going through, except a few, but all of us are going through pain in the sense is we can't go home. I haven't gone home for so many days. You know, haven't gone home at all. Been sitting, and everybody knows there are issues, lot of issues. So there is pain. But for the people in the world, there is only pain and fear. For us, it's pain and joy. That's the important part. Do we have the joy? Because we see the sign. We, if we, even if we don't have a joy, we should at least take it as a warning. And God is giving us time to prepare. Okay, it's a preparation. Okay, it's like uh, like couple of our sisters in the church. I think it was the last baby Priyanka. I'm not very sure. Like almost a week, ten days early, her labor pain began, <laughs> and she went, and then she came back home. Okay, but it was a sign the baby is coming. She got a warning to be prepared. Though it didn't happen that day, it's got okay. So some people are not prepared. Okay, they love the Lord and all, but they are not prepared for this eventuality. So for them, it's a warning. It's a warning. To those who are prepared, it is okay. The pain you go through, but it is also a source of joy. So look at that. And in there, God talks about: for nation shall rise again, nation. Kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes. And like I said, in this week already there was two earthquakes that were reported. Many take place every day, every second it takes place, but which damage two were reported. Okay, two earthquakes were reported. So in the middle of a pestilence and uh, famine, that is shortage of famine is basically shortage of resources. So we are having three things coming together, and. Uh, there is a term which is called convergence. Convergence is when a set of series of events that has been prophesied comes together. Be careful. Be careful. Nations rising against nation. Hostility begins against nations. Okay. And famine and pestilence and earthquakes. All these things coming together, not far apart, but coming together. The labor pains coming closer and closer. These are all labor pains. It's not only famine alone, it's a labor pain. Unlike the labor pain of a woman, all the pains are similar. But in this case, different pains are coming in together. We call it convergence. Be careful. It's getting closer than we think. Okay? Closer than we think. So there is something there called famine. Let's go to Psalm 105 and verse 16. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. Okay. Now, we have to look at God as a source. You want to take God out of the picture, it's not going to work. Who called upon a famine? He called upon a famine. And what did he do? He broke the whole staff of bread. He broke it. He's the one. Okay. He called upon a famine. So there is famine. Okay. There is shortage. 
supermarkets are all empty, grocery stores are closed, empty. There's a lot of famine in many countries. Like the poor are sitting on the roads and uh, by God's mercy, in the middle of this, not only we could feed people with the word, we are also able to feed a lot of people with food. Excited, okay, excited because this is all which you see, there are a lot of things we hear and we know it is faith, but we cannot prove it physically until that event happens, okay. If you ever, Abraham asked, exalted father, father of every nation, what are you talking about until Isaac is born? Okay, so he goes through a lot of doubt and confusion and funny looks and sell all these things until that happens. So like a lot of things which God told me, now we are excited because it's happening. Okay, and when I hear, like when I hear Pastor Vijay preach, no, I'm not boasting or anything. Okay, I'm honestly, I'm telling you honestly, he's better than me. Okay, he's better than me. He knows his word much because of the nature of his research and because he's got this gift of languages and all that stuff. He actually goes much deeper, much deeper than me. I've always I've been trying to bring him down a little down so his spread can be more. Okay, and there there is no jealousy here. When he does well, it's joy for me. When all my sons do well, it's joy for me. But the fact is that when eight years, nine years, when I heard he's the one who will take over from you, I hardly knew him. I hardly heard him preach. Had he preached by then? I'm not sure. I just started, I think. Okay, so now when I see what is happening, it's a source of great joy. Okay, Lord, not only that he's doing so well, the fact that, Lord, I thank you, Lord, all the things which I heard and I heard and I stuck by it all these years in spite of everybody against me and like now hardly anybody believing the stuff I was doing. Now, because when they, they say it's very lonely at the top. In so many ways, it was very lonely because I had to take those decisions because it's the nature of our church. We are not a committee-based church or anything like that. We are a church which started with me. God used me to start it. So there are a lot of decisions which I have to personally take, which nobody will understand why I'm taking these decisions. And now I see things falling into place, everything falling into place. No, And it will only show when famine hits. Only famine. When these things happen, like when you go through trials and testing, that's when you know what is inside comes out. In good times, we know. That's why God says he took them into the wilderness and humbled them, caused them to hunger, to show what was within them. You know, till then they were singing and they were all like, they thought we are cats whiskers, God called us because we are better than everybody else. And God says, no, you are not. You are not better than anybody else. Actually, worse than a lot of people. But I had pity on you and I picked you up. Because that's when things inside start coming out. So about famine there. He called for a famine upon the land. And he break the whole stuff of bread. So if he called a famine upon the land, what do we do? What is the protection for us? Job chapter 5. Job chapter 5. Verse 17 onwards. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, despise not the chastening of the Almighty. Then, he makes sore and bindeth up. He woundeth, oh, we are in KJV, and his hand make whole. 
He shall deliver thee in six troubles. Yea, in seven they shall no evil touch thee. In famine he shall redeem thee from death. In war from the power of the sword. Did you see that? You see that? In famine he shall redeem thee from death. And in war from the power of the sword. You go back to 17. But what is the key? Happy is the man whom God corrects. Are you happy? When God chastens you? Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Because if you learn from the chastening of the Lord at the time of famine, He will redeem you. He will redeem you. Okay? He will redeem So keep that in mind. Okay? Remember, in Hebrews 12.8, KJV, actually shifted from KJV, 12.8, oh boy, that word in KJV, original KJV is a little hard. 12.8. But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are <laughs> bastards and not sons. No mincing of words there. We try to be very politically correct and make it illegitimate and all that. A lot, to use KJV language, there are a lot of legitimate bastards within the church. They are born again but will not take chastening. They hate the chastening of God, but they are gods. They don't like chastening. And God says, you know what, you got a spirit that is illegitimate. Spirit, you need to get rid of that spirit. Though you have gone through the whole thing of getting born again and baptized and all that, you still haven't got rid of that illegitimate spirit. Not an orphan spirit, that's a different spirit altogether. This is that illegitimate spirit. Who will not receive chastening. And then God's hand has to be hard on us. Okay? Hard on us. On the other hand, happy is the man who receives correction from God. Man, woman, child. Anybody is happy man if you understand chastening and learn through chastening. And then when these things comes, God will redeem him. God is able to redeem him because he has learned the lesson. So we are looking at famine today because pestilence, famine, they all come together. If you look in the Old Covenant, there are eight primary famines in the one. It's a famine during the time of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph, each generation. Then in Ruth, begins with a famine. Ruth 1.1 begins with a famine. Right? You have another famine in the time of David. 2 Samuel 21.1, you have a one there. You have a, f- yeah, there was a famine in the days of David for three years. You have a famine in the days of Elijah. You have a famine in the times of Elisha. Eight famines are there. Primary famines. Okay. So these famines are very, very important. All these famines are lessons because along with pestilence comes famine. Famine means lack of anything. If you are lacking something in you, that you need physically. It's a physical famine. If you lack something which you need spiritually, it's a spiritual famine. Okay? Spiritual famine. So when God shuts us in times like that, it's a good time to introspect, check what is happening, and uh, see 
So the first famine mentioned in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. Now there was famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. Okay, That's the first famine mentioned in the Bible and it is mentioned with the father of believers. The man who left everything and came into the promised land and he is in the promised land when the famine happens. Okay? Now if you look in Acts chapter 7 and verses 2 and 3. Acts chapter 7, 2 and 3. We'll go in order. Acts chapter 7, 2 and 3. This is Stephen talking to the Sanhedrin. And if he hadn't spoken this part of Abraham's life, we would have never known. You would have read the whole Genesis account wrong. Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. So even before he, when he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans, God had appeared to him. So everything begins with God. Okay, it begins with God. So God has spoken to him first, the promises. And we all know Genesis chapter 11, verse 32, and then 12 onwards, 12 one onwards. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah, the, Terah died in Haran. He came with his father, came to Haran, and he died. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great. You shall be a blessing. You will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And he knew all families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Okay. So one in Ar, one in Haran. Now if you come to 12 and verse 7. Now he's moved into Canaan. God met him there. Okay, he's moved into Canaan. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So three times God has already appeared to him and given him the same promise. And then the famine comes. So do you believe the promises? Three times. In his lifetime. In Ar, in Haran, in Canaan. Three times he's given him the same promise. This is the land you are to be. And these are the promises connected with the land. And then scripture says, there was severe famine. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 1 to 4. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of a God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's preaching, he's speaking to all who are true believers in Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus, our Lord. Now, look at 3 and 4. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So whether you are in famine, lockdown or free. His divine power, the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit has given to us everything we need for both life and godliness for this life and for the coming one. Okay? Through, but how do we get it? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It comes through the knowledge of God. 
by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Incredible promises has been given. And you take those promises and through these promises, what should happen? How do you know the promise is real? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. These promises, when you partake and when it becomes real, you start partaking of the divine nature of God. That is what I was, I've been trying to hammer in all languages, in all places. Don't go to the law. Don't go to the other side of grace. There is only one life which we dislike. This side is, it's in our control. That side also flesh is in control. But this side only God is in control. The walk of faith. The walk of faith is dying to self daily. We want to partake of the divine nature and to be in control. Doesn't happen. Jesus came in the flesh, partook of his father's divine nature and gave control completely to him. That is the walk of faith. Faith comes from hearing. Our issue is not with the word of God. Our issue is with hearing. If somebody were to tell that this is all you need, and you don't have to read and hear from the Spirit of God when you read, then there is no issue. No issue. Then you don't have to worry about each day. You don't have to worry about each day. No? You don't know. Yeah? If any man here, say only men sitting here, all the men are told, all you have to do is get married. All you have to do is get married. And you just give a set of instructions to a wife and that's the only time you need to talk to her. And that is married life. What kind of a married life is that? And Paul compares our life with Jesus Christ with a marriage and he said it's a mystery. It's a mystery. So you partake of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So how do you know you are partaking of the divine nature? He said, as you partake of the divine nature, there is a constant escaping from the world. What is the process through it? Through the promises. The promises, the knowledge of God, the promises... And when you partake of the promises, you are partaking of his life by faith and you are escaping the corruption corruption of the world. So three times God appeared to Abraham and gave him three times the same promise. And then the famine came. Now go to Revelation, uh, sorry, Exodus 12, 10. Famine came. 12, 10 onwards. Three times he's got. Now he's got his promises. And he's got this choice through these promises partake of the divine nature of God and escape the corruption that is in Egypt. Egypt is the world there. So there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt. You see the promises are there. Promises are there. You cannot deny the promise. He heard it in her. He heard it in Haran. After his father died, he heard it in the promised land and there was an altar and God appeared to him too. He gave him the same promise. And all the three promises, when he was far away from Canaan, the promise was connected with Canaan. When he was in Haran, close by, the promises was in Canaan. When he was in Canaan, also promises about Canaan. So it's very clear location. GPS is very clear. There's no doubt about GPS. And then to test. 
the famine comes. The question is, will you stay or will you move? Will you stay or will you move? We know from the different famines, Abraham moved. Isaac stayed. Jacob was told to move. The question is, what will famine make us do? What will famine make us do? Now look, let's go to Amos 8 and verse 11. Because everybody in some way is caught in the same physical famine. Except those who are fasting. Behold, the days are coming, said the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of God. This is the danger, dangerous famine. The most dangerous famine. This is the dangerous famine. Abraham was caught in a famine. Isaac was caught in a famine. They were all caught in famines. Now if you turn to Genesis 26 verse 1 and 2. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of Philistine in Gerar. The Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. So he had no famine of hearing the word. In the midst of the physical famine. It's a physical famine. There's no spiritual famine. You are safe. The outward famine does not matter as long as you do not have an inward famine. The issue is not the outward famine. What you are facing outside is not the problem. That's what the church is not facing. What the church is facing is the inward famine of hearing. That was what I was trying to tell them in Nepali. I hear all these things saying every chain pair from World Council of Churches from the Pope down to everybody is praying for the coronavirus. My question is how is your prayer different from the Hindu's prayer, the Muslim's prayer or Buddhist prayer or anybody? Everybody is praying the same. What is that? Lord take God, whichever God it is, God take this virus away. Corona away. This pandemic away. But what did Jesus tell us a pandemic or a pestilence is? It's a sign of the Kingdom coming, right? It's a sign. And what have all the churches been praying all this 2000 years in formal religion or anything? Our Father who to heaven, hallowed be thy night, thy kingdom. And when the kingdom is coming, you're telling it go away. It's contradicting your prayer. This is the problem with religion. When you don't hear. You don't hear. And that is what all news and all the pastors put across. My question is, it's not that you shouldn't pray in a situation like. But what should you pray? What should you pray? Have you heard? Abraham did not hear. So he went the way of Egypt. And a lot of churches haven't heard from God. So they've gone in the way of Egypt. The Buddhist prayer, the Hindu prayer, the Muslim prayer, and the Catholic prayer, and the Protestant prayer, the Pentecostal prayer, all is the same. And they don't hear the same. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. <laughs> epidemic should not go, yes. But more than that, Lord have mercy. People should, eyes should open. Eyes should open to the reality of who you are. Who you are. So Isaac heard in Second Samuel chapter 21. 21. There was a famine in the day of David, days of David for three years. Year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered. So the famine is not an issue. No, the famine is not an issue. 
First year, okay, second year, third year, this guy is got discernment. He said, okay, hey, hang on, hang on, three years in a row. There's something wrong over here. This is not natural, this is spiritual. There is a block in the spiritual realm, that's why it's happening in my kingdom. Famine. So he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered. Forget about the answer. We'll look at another day. No. But he answered. So there's a famine outside, and you inquire, and you heard. If you go to First Kings chapter 17 and verses 1 onwards, 1 to 4. Ruth Willig was nobody inquired. <laughs> First Kings chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord love God of Israel loves, of whom before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. He's declaring famine. And then verse 2 comes. The word of the Lord came to him. Saying, what about you? Get away from here, turn eastward, hide by the brook Kerith, which flows into Jordan. It will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So there is going to be a famine, but you are taken care of because you have heard. Okay? You have heard. Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 25 and then 7, 1. 6, 25. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. One fourth of a cup of dough droppings for five shekels of silver. This is called hoarding and black marketing. Happening from that day till today. Nothing has changed. 7-1. And Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. Two shares of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. He heard. So famine is not the problem. The problem is not with famine. The problem is with hearing. The problem is not with pestilence. The problem is with hearing. And that's what God was telling through Amos. I'll send a great famine. Greater than the famine the world is facing. Now is the famine within the church of hearing. That's why everybody is praying the same prayer and everybody is panicking. Everybody is panicking. So scripture says, in Genesis, we saw that, Genesis 12 and verse 10. Now there was famine in the land and Abraham went to da- went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. So severe famine doesn't happen overnight. So he never inquired. And we have to excuse him because he's a new believer. New believer. So we have to go to the spiritual side of what God is teaching his children through Abraham, the first prototype of a believer. Not Noah, Enoch and all. They fall under a different category. The first prototype of a believer, justified by faith, father of both Gentiles and Jews, will come to God through Christ. He is the first prototype. So he's a very young believer. He may be 75 plus years old, but a bache, baby. Okay. Let's go again to First Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. How does famine come? Elijah the Tishbite said, as the, okay, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, this is what will happen. There shall not be dew or rain these years. No rain, no dew. When this both happens, 
you are in serious trouble. No rain, no dew, and then you get what? Result of is it? Famine. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 32, verse 1 and 2. Give here, O heavens, and I will speak. Oh, and oh, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, and my speech distill as the dew, and as the raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. So that's why there is famine of the hearing of the word. You missed this. This is where the famine comes. This is where the famine comes. Give here, O heavens and earth. This is not Moses, this is God. There was one third of fellows who did not hear <coughs> carefully. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. How should my teaching drop? As rain. It drop like rain. And my speech distill as dew. Very careful how you handle the word of God. Distill as dew. As the raindrops on the tender herb and the showers on the grass. Okay. So it's giving you, Pastor Vijay will take it and he will now put it under an electron microscope and give it to us. So I'm not getting into that. Okay. <laughs> I will give him the subject. He'll put it under the microscope and give a good analysis of it. But, but now you see where we are getting at. How does the hearing, famine of the hearing of the word comes? It's got something to do with how we take the word when it comes to us. The word is coming to us from heaven. Coming to us from heaven. That's what Paul will come. Peter will come in the Thessalonians. When we came, servants of God, when we came and spoke to us, though we were men, you received the word from us as the word from God. Okay. Therefore, it has the power to work in those who believe. Thessalonian church is commended. Okay. And then he says the Bereans were more noble than the, because they were distilling it. They were distilling it. You know what distilling is? Distillery. It's after the distillery you get that spirit. Huh? To get that spirit. That's why it's called a spirit after the entire process of distill, whatever you call that process. Okay? You have a distillery, distillation, you have a spirit. Meaning the Bereans got the spirit of the word out. They got the spirit of the word out. They got it. And he says, the Thessalonians were noble. Bereans were even more noble. I wish we ever had a letter called the epistle to the Bereans. Kya baat hai? We didn't get it. No? I, they didn't need a letter. <laughs> Probably they would have written a letter to Paul and said, this is what we understood about your message. He said, right? He said, yeah, absolutely. He got it. He <laughs> <You> got it. <laughs> okay? So Abraham did not see, he did not seek, he did not inquire. Just straight away went into Egypt. He's a young believer. So first Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 will say this to many young believers who are listening today. As newborn babies desire, now we'll use the word crave, the pure milk of the word that you may grow there. There has to be a desire within you. There is a craving within you. You guys wouldn't know. 
except the fathers, but I hear from all the new mothers <laughs> when their baby doesn't drink milk. <coughs> upsets the mother very much. <laughs> baby is not drinking. <laughs> and what do we always tell Abel and Priyangas? This is buffalo milk. We don't believe. This fellow is buffalo milk. We don't believe, Riyaka. This fellow is buffalo milk. Okay, He is craving and drinking pure buffalo milk. Look at this fellow. Okay, So there is a craving. And when the craving is in there, the mother is upset. The mother knows. Okay, So the question is, is there a craving for the pure milk of the word of God in new believers? Is there? It's a sign. There has to be a craving at every stage. Is there a craving? Why should you crave? Why are all these things supported? Because it's not the outward thing. Inwardly we are all building. Jesus talked about two houses that were built. The storm hit both the houses. One stood, one fell. The storm is hitting the whole world. Whole world. And many spiritual houses are crashing. I was looking at some of the church websites. You have to see. I didn't know there were so many ways you could pay. Options. Rupay, Paypal, Payti. Everything to send in your offerings. And they don't even have two services a week. Just send your money in. You built such a huge infrastructure which will only run on money. And when the system closes it down like you are panicking. And your website is only about how you can send in your money. Houses built on sand. Not that you will crash now, but learn your lesson. It's very, the problem is, no. I always say it is very easy to preach to a new believer. But difficult to preach to a believer who got all the wrong doctrine in to preach the truth. Because first you have to take the junk out. And you will fight every inch of the way when you take it out. It's impossible. Almost impossible. This is the most difficult part. To take that junk out and then give him the truth. Can't stay there as newborn babies. In Hebrews chapter 5 verses 11 to 14. Very familiar but those who are hearing. Get these principles in, work on it. Otherwise, once this famine is over, you wouldn't realize the next one come will be bigger. Of whom we have much to say, hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you come to need milk and not solid food. Now I am not saying that all of you are not teachers. Everybody may not have the gift of teaching with words. But some of you may be able to write very well. Write very well. Paul may not have been a great speaker. But he was an incredible writer. He could get the ideas of God and put it in words. And that's what Peter was talking about. Peter says, boy he uses words which I find difficult to understand. Okay, You may have different other gifts through which you actually teach. You may not have the gift of speaking. Okay? But that's not the only way in which people teach. There are different ways, formats in which you teach. Yeah, but you should have been teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You mean you've gone back to baby. 
and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a baby. So baby is asked to crave for the milk of the word. But if you are always drinking only the milk of the word, then you are totally unskilled. Because this is the word of righteousness. You cannot grow. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom, the scepter of the kingdom is righteousness. And everything is, the crown is the crown of righteousness. And you cannot handle the word of righteousness. And as long as a child is a child, even though he is the heir of all things, he is no better than a servant. So you don't inherit too, though it was yours. He will be put under guardians. So these are the problems. And it's all got to do with hearing. For everyone who partakes, yeah, answer. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Spiritual maturity. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So they understand how to read the word of God. They are getting the meat, the spirit of the word of God. This. Paul will have this writer of Hebrew. Paul in First Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 to 3 again. Has problem with the Corinthians. Oh, I brethren could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are still not able. How do you know? How do you know? You're a baby. Everybody reads the same word. Everybody hears the same word. But how do you know? Answer? For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, that means you are a baby. You are a baby. You're just just a child throwing tantrums. Are we getting it? This is the problem. If you are not spiritual, then you become carnal. There is no in-between called secular. The kingdom of God. You are either spiritual or carnal. And all your choices in every situation becomes carnal. Abraham took off. Abraham took off. He looked at the ground. And he took off. If you look at Jose, that's how you pronounce in English, Jose, Hosea in Telugu. Oh, so chapter 10 and verse 12. Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Just because there is no rain, that should not mean you should not break your fallow ground. Break your fallow ground. Break your fallow ground. Sow yourself in righteousness. You will reap in mercy and the Lord will come and rain righteousness over you. Okay, Break your fallow. That's what Abraham did not do and that's what he son did. Because he heard. He broke the fallow ground and he reaped a hundredfold that year. Because he broke the fallow ground in the midst of famine. 
So it's not the problem is not with this famine. The problem is not with the ground. The problem is with hearing. Break the fallow ground. So what? For yourself, righteousness. What will you reap? Mercy. And then he will come and reign. Okay. Now listen to Peter again in First Peter chapter 2. We heard about in verse 2, crave. But let's read verse 1. Therefore lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and all evil speaking as newborn babies. So that is the breaking of the fallow ground. You get rid of a lot of stuff. And drink the milk of God. If you try to drink the milk of God without breaking the fallow ground, you are wasting the seed. If you throw the seed on the ground without breaking the fallow land, it's a waste. So the writer of Hebrews and Paul, the Holy Spirit through all of them is sounding a warning. And I believe God is sounding a warning to the whole church by shutting down and practically the entire world. Have you built so far? Will it last? At least now will you take a break and start plowing the fallow ground. Fallow ground is a ground that has not been plowed for quite some time. Like I said, it's a waste to sow good seed on fallow ground. It must be broken up. Because if it doesn't grow, we will not get a harvest. Fallow ground was once probably produced a good harvest. But it's like the book of Judges. Israel, oh, once upon a time, what happened? God said, you went there. Ground has become. Then one judge comes. They defeat the enemies. And then the judge dies. And again, the ground becomes fallow. Philistines take over. And they have to cry out. Again, another judge comes. The problem with fallow ground is that it's not that the fallow ground does not produce anything. It produces thorns and thistles. Have you noticed? They grow in fallow ground. In Matthew 13, 22 tells, what does fallow ground produce? Thorns and thistles. He who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Two things are mentioned there. What is that? It's a, it's a, it's a incredible combination. Cares or worries of the world. Now what happens as this famine is going on or anything that is going on? You, you're a believer. You hear the word and you've got so many problems in your life. And all the time, even in your prayer or in your desire is that if I had money, I could have handled this. That's a deceitfulness of wealth. The cares. The cares, when churches, taxes have to be paid, all this have to be paid, all this have to be paid, they put all the gadgets on the web page, how to send your money. Yeah, the cares! And the deceitfulness of wealth. What is the deceitfulness of wealth? The wealth offers to substitute God for you, and faith for you. And the crooks will come and say, you can use faith to get money. Not God. Okay? That's why I was talking about Elijah. Lack of rain 
causes drought. And the result of drought is famine. But there is drought and there is famine. Famine is lack. But Elijah never is affected by the famine because he hears. Whether he says uh, Kerith or Zarephath, famine avoids him. Though the whole land is under drought because he hears. Okay? The whole area can be under drought, but you are not, you are still escaping the famine. Because you heard. Okay? Ravens bring him food. Brook, there is water flowing. And when it finishes, God says, go over there. And when he hears it, it doesn't sound at all logical or anything. But because he obeys, the famine goes over him. The pestilence goes over him. The judgment goes over him because he heard. He heard. This is why it is so important where scripture says faith comes from. Hearing. Fallow ground produces thorns and thistles. Not only that. Hebrews 12 verse 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness. What does it bring forth? Fallow ground produces bitterness. Why is Naomi so bitter and Ruth is not? Though both came out of the same situation. One is fallow ground, the other broke the fallow ground. You can see from their words. Both are in the same situation. Both are widows. Both have, have no husbands and no children. Both widows. Terrible situation to be taught at a time like that. A widow. One is bitter. One is not. Bitter men and women. What causes that? Root of bitterness. It's a fallow ground. He never broke it. Worries of life. Deceitful of well. You have so many problems. Yet you are not breaking the fallow ground for the seed of word to go in. You are still hoping if only you had money. If only I had money. If only I had money. I could have solved my problems. So even when you turn to God, you are not turning to God. You are turning to the God of money. You see God as the God of money and saying, can you send me some money? So can I handle my problems? God says no. I will handle your problems. Will you listen to me? No. Why was Joseph never bitter? It was fruitful wherever he was. North one is north of So God is teaching us through Abraham. Let us go back to Genesis chapter 12. When famine comes, how is our ground? It's a spiritual truth we are looking through the life of the first recognized official believer. Now there was famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt. He was not willing to break the ground. Though he had three times heard the same promise. And it came to pass. It came to pass. As he was close to entering Egypt. This is the promised land. All fallow ground. He doesn't want to dig or try anything. He hasn't even gone and inquired the Lord. And that is Egypt. And as he is getting closer to Egypt, Egypt is getting closer into him. That's what the Bible says. It came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, he said to his wife. Now what is he talking? He's talking the land of language of Egypt. 
It's not talking the lang- language of Canaan. It's talking the language of Canaan. Sorry, Egypt. Okay. That's the problem with fallow ground. When you haven't dug the fallow ground, we start moving closer and closer to the world and we start speaking the language of the world. How to solve problems. He said, indeed I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, that I may live because of you. So it was. Did you see how everything changed? Everything changed. So it was when Abraham came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman and she was very beautiful. Compromise begins. And it begins with the thought life. It begins here. You start conforming to the pattern of the world. And the world always looks at the church and finds the church beautiful. And the world always wants to seduce the church. That is why always the first people who go worldly anywhere are the Christians. And not the others. Because the enemy is out to seduce Sarah. Because Sarah is beautiful. Church is beautiful. Devil is after the men and the women in the church. Verse 15. The princess of Pharaoh also saw her, commended her to the Pharaoh. The woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And verse 16. He treated Abraham well for her sake. So, you have traded your integrity for safety and prosperity. That's why you have all kinds of churches around the world, especially where persecution is. One is called overground, the other is underground. The overground has traded their integrity for peace and prosperity. The others refuse. Where did it start with? With Abraham. With Abraham. The question is, what has Egypt do to us? What has famine done to us? Have we sold? That's a Laodicean church. This is Laodicean church. I'm rich. I have need for nothing. God says you're neither hot nor cold. You have no clue you stay. You're very close to being spat out. You're blind. You compromise completely. Compromise completely. And scripture says, after that, he treated, okay, yeah, go further down. The Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. Okay. Okay, now God is involved in it to protect Sarah, not Abraham. We don't even know what this man did. Did he pray? Did he intercede? Did he fast? And all is looking at all his camels and cattle and everything. Okay, like uh, the old illustration which I keep on saying over time, it looks repetitive, but it's the truth. 
You see Abraham in his massive tent with all his servants and slaves and everything. And you look at it and say, ask Abraham, whose are all this? He says, mine. And whose are all this? All, you, all this cattle. Yes, all this. You know, boy, you're a rich man. Yes. Are you happy? No. Why? Because my wife is in somebody's house. Have you slept well? No. At what price did you buy your peace? At what price did you get your prosperity? Didn't God say he would bless you? The devil also can bless you. But he blesses you at the cost of your integrity. God blesses you and never makes you lose your integrity. Daniel also was blessed. Joseph also was blessed. But they didn't lose what was important in the kingdom of God. So we are not after blessings. We are after God. So God plagued Pharaoh to get Abraham out of Egypt. And Israel actually out of Egypt. It's connected with Sarah. It's connected with Sarah. We saw in today in the evening session in Isaiah, right? 50. 50, 1 and 2, right? You need to realize that's part. Listen to me, you who follow righteousness. If you're following righteousness, listen to me. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. That's why God plagued Pharaoh's household because he had already decided it is Abraham through Sarah Israel will come and through Israel Christ will come. He plagued. If you go to Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. Now it happened in the process of that time the king of Egypt died and then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the Why did they cry? Because of the bondage. They were only upset with the bondage. There were two things of Israel. Sorry, Egypt. One was the pressure. The other was the pleasure. They did not like the pressure. but They liked the pleasure. Two things in this world. One is the pressure. The other is the pleasure. The problem is, most of us are like them. We cry out to God because of the pressure. We do not cry out to God to rescue us from the pleasure. Okay? Under pressure, Moses gave in. Now he, neither the pressure is gone nor can he enjoy the pleasure of all this prosperity. That is why the devil deceives. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 29, 25, 11-25, choosing, this is Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure. See, he's the only one who made a choice. He said, I will take more pressure and say no to pleasure. I'll take more pressure. When you say no to to the world, the pleasures of the world, you're going to take, get more pressure. And you say you're not going to compromise. 
Daniel was pursued all the way till his whole life. They tried everything and said, okay, at least we can get him in his prayer life. We can't get him anywhere. Everybody complains about the pressure of work. Is anybody complaining about the pleasure of the world? Honestly. No? Think, we are not talking about the world. We are only talking, we are only talking to believers. All these days, did anybody believe, Lord, there's too many malls in Hyderabad? Did we complain? Too many malls, Lord, please. Too many theatres? How come nobody complained those things? We complain about too many work hours. Too much distance we have to travel. The, the word is too long. We never complained. Uh, the malls were too many. Too many pubs. We all even brought Jesus into it. God into the picture with the pubs. Thank God it is Friday. Brought God there. See, you heard about the Welsh revival. When the Welsh revival took place, it was like today. Every pub, every theater, everything shut down. Government didn't have to do anything. There were no people going. Everybody had been touched by the Holy Spirit. Nobody had to say anything. The Holy Spirit did the work. Everything shut down because there are no more customers left. Everybody got saved. Everybody filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a spiritual lockdown. This is a government lockdown. This is what we are talking about. This is a government lockdown. But the question to believers is, do you need the government to lock you down? Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Verses 25, very familiar portion. Two people, Paul and Silas, have done an incredible, no, no, 16, 16, 25 to 28. Okay, they were, did a deliverance, they got beaten, stripped, thrown into jail, hands tied probably, legs in the stock. And verse 25 says, what were these two guys doing? They were singing. Yeah, shall we go to 25? At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Okay, there's a midnight hour. You have been, this is not, not only lockdown, locked in and chained in. Lockdown, chained in. What are they doing? They are praying and they are singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Okay, you know this. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, listen, read, read carefully. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. We have preached all about how others, you, when you really worship, other people get liberated in your offices and all. We'll leave that all alone. All the doors were opened. Prison doors. Everybody's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. What did he say? We? Okay, we can understand Paul and Silas. But all are there. All the doors are open. All the doors are open. 
Did you see? All the doors are open. All the chains are. But nobody left. They didn't need a lockdown to gather around Paul and Silas. The doors are open. They're free to go. Oh boy, if the jail doors are open, chains are, you know how prisoners flee? Everything is open. Nobody is going. They probably, all of them are around Paul and Silas. They had heard him singing. Now they said, can we hear you preaching? This is the question God is asking. God's children do not need carnal lockdowns because they are always locked down to the world. You don't need it. A lockdown like this should not make us feel our life has changed. Our life should have been always this way. That's a question I'm asking. Are we caught by surprise by the lockdown? Or it's okay. Right? Under lockdown, actually if you look at our own case, under lockdown, we have only our workload has increased. From 2 to 3 meetings to 14, 15 meetings a week. Increased. My question is this, don't worry about the lockdown. Let us say today is what? 26. Suddenly WHO declares the pandemic is under control. And Prime Minister Modi says 30th lockdown is released. 1st of April. Will your lives change drastically again? Did you learn the lesson of the lockdown? What will happen? What will happen? The chains are off. The doors are open. What will you do? Back to the pub? Back to the mall? Back to the theater? Back to life as before? Then you didn't understand what God was trying to teach you. The chains are off. The doors are open. Nobody left. Question is, what will we do? Would our lives have changed radically? Or we go back to normal? My question to you is that, If he preached every evening, would you still have so many people listening? Though you are free. Once the lockdown is over. Are you listening now only because of the lockdown? Or after lockdown is over, will you revert back to default setting? And we didn't learn the lessons. I'm not saying we are going to preach every day. We are not going to do that. That's not the point. The point is, did we get the lessons God was trying to teach through famine? We would like to hear the story about Isaac's famine. How famine affected Isaac because everybody goes gaga over it because he made a hundredfold. So we always think it in monetary terms. That's why, why we love Isaac's famine. We don't like Abraham's famine though he got rich because we feel guilt. He, he got rich, but at the price of something even more precious. So we don't like that famine so much. We like Isaac's famine very much. Okay, because he like Isaac's famine. But I don't want to look at this last closing. YouTube is back? No. Uh, I hope everybody is on Facebook. 
okay please go to facebook but the recording is taking place right tomorrow so let us go to we will we'll jump or we we'll look at other days what god did with the famine with jacob and isaac and all we leave abraham here because abraham goofed up big time and he needed the hand of god to come directly and pluck him out that's the story of all of us i pulled us out of a mess okay but let's go through abraham isaac jacob and come to joseph and we see the purpose of famine you have to go all the way to genesis 47 got genesis 47 go towards 11 onwards Joseph situated his father and his brothers gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land in the land of Ramesses as Pharaoh had commanded Joseph provided his father his brothers and all his father's household with bread according to the number in their families and then okay leave that what Joseph did with his family his family history now let us go to see what Joseph did let's go to verse 13 Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ what yeah go to verse 13 Yeah, 1, 3, 1, 3. Now there was no bread in the land, for the famine was very severe. So the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. So all the people came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, go to Joseph. You cannot go to God other than through Jesus. Go to Jesus. Don't come circuit that order. There is an order that is given. Come through Jesus, not Mary or anybody. Come through Jesus. There is no other way. Pharaoh said, go to Jesus. Okay, go to Joseph. And what did he do? He opened up the granaries. Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Okay. Smart guy. Okay, smart guy. What did he do first? Joseph took all the money. Come further down. When the money failed in the land of Egypt, God will bring us to a point where money will fail us in this world. Understand the spiritual significance. He will send famines into a life which cannot be answered with money. Money will fail. When the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, "Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed." Joseph said, "It's okay. Give me your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone." They said, "Okay." So they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses the flocks the cattle of the herds for the donkeys thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year When the year had ended seven years of famine remember it's not one or two years seven year had ended they came to him next day and said we will not hide from my lord that our money is gone my lord has also our herds the livestock there's nothing left in the sight of my lord but our bodies and our lands Why should we die before your eyes both we and our land by us and our land for bread and we and our land will be the servants of pharaoh give us seed that we may live and not die that the land may not be desolate then joseph bought all the land of egypt for pharaoh and every man to for every man of the egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them so the land became pharaoh's as for the people he moved them into the cities what did he do because they belong to him now the land the money 
their flocks, their herds, everything belongs to him. He got it, all of them for the Pharaoh. Once he has done that, he moves them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. You getting it? Okay, leave the priest part over there. Come further down. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you. And you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest, you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifth shall be your own. A seed for the field and for your food and for those of your households as food for your little ones. So they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's servants. So Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests, which did not become Pharaoh's. So Israel dwelt. Did you get the picture? Okay. Did you get the picture? Famine is coming. And famine is coming, people are hungry. So they come and says, we are hungry. He said, okay, buy. I got plenty of grain. Buy it. Buy it. There is a strange portion, if I am right, in Isaiah, say, buy from me. Though it's free, buy from me. He says, buy. So they bought. They ate for an year. They said, money is over. He said, good. What do you have? Livestock? He says, okay. Bring it. They ate for an year. Again, famine is there. They came back and said, we have no money, we have lives. So what do you have? Our land and ourselves. He said, fine. Sell it. So their land now belongs. They also belong. He said, okay, now that everything belongs to Pharaoh, I will give the land to you and seed to sow. And when you get the harvest, you can keep four-fifth. One-fifth you give to the Pharaoh. But don't forget, you and all that you have belongs to the Pharaoh. You know what God is trying to do through the famine? At the end of the famine, we should belong to God completely. Everything that we are is His. That's the purpose of famine. Wow. That's what Joseph is doing. And this only believers understand the spiritual truth before famine. As famine goes and we give and realize, I surrender this part of my life. I surrender this to my life. I surrender this to my life. And when you have completely surrendered, God says, okay, you are surrendered. Now I can move you. I can tell you where you need to go, where you need to serve, where you need to work. He started moving them everywhere according to Joseph's desire. Until we are completely surrendered and belong to God, God cannot move us. Elijah could be told, go to Gareth. Go to Zarephath. Go to Mount Carmel because entirely belongs to God. And he never lacked. Never lacked. Never lacked. This is the purpose behind famine. God's purpose behind famine and man's purpose behind famine, how we read, are completely different. So when these famines come into our lives, we have to ask, God is asking, how much have you surrendered? How much have you surrendered? How much have you surrendered? So at every stage, you will see there is more surrender. And the more you surrender, the more blessed you become. Instead of dying. You are not dying, you are living. But people dislike to surrender because they think if you surrender, we will lose. God says, nobody has lost by surrendering to me. He gives seed to the soul. And everything is over. He said, okay, fine. Take the seed. Plant. Harvest. How much the Pharaoh want? One fifth. And how much? Four 
your faith, it's yours. People think it is bondage, it's slavery. It's freedom. It's freedom. If the land belongs to the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh protects the land. You don't have to fight for the land. It belongs to the Pharaoh. You just have to work in the land. He protects the land. You don't have to fight for your health because he fights for your health. You don't have to fight for your peace because he fights for your peace. That's why God says to such people, the battle belongs to me, not yours. I fight the battle because you belong to me. If I don't belong to God, then how does my battles belong to God? You know when famine comes, how some people arise and they abound? There's one who giveth, giveth what? Of himself. And he bounds. There's one who keepeth, he becomes poorer. There is this principle in the kingdom of God. That is why Paul will say something which Jesus said. We do not know when he said it, but it's more blessed to give than to. How it is? Learn from famine. God is no man's debtor. God is no man's debtor. Otherwise, we'll miss fundamental principles of God's kingdom. This is how it works. Jesus humbled, humbled, humbled. What is he doing? Giving, 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 give out completely. And God raised him up, raised him up, raised him up, raised him up, raised him up and made him that above everything else. Did he lose by giving? No. Paul said at the end of his life, I am being poured out as a drink offering. Last dregs of my life is finishing all on an altar. This is how I ran my life finished. He says, but what do I see? I see a crown of righteousness. No man is a debtor. No man has lost by giving to God. And famine is like what you say in these chemical experiments, you put what is called a catalyst, you know? Yeah? Famine is like a catalyst. It speeds, should speed up our surrender. Speeds up our surrender. It speeds up our surrender. Yes, I look at, okay, what's the point? Your money has failed. I don't need money, I need God. Money has failed. Right? Your cattle. What am I going to do with cattle? Give it to God. You still eat. Cattle is gone. Money is gone. What do I have? My land. What am I going to do with the land? Here Lord, take the land. And here I am. God says good. Now I will do one thing. You work. I'll give you the seed. And suddenly you realize, you know what? I have peace. I don't have to worry. I just... I'm just a laborer in the Lord's vineyard. I don't have to worry about any issues that happens in the land because the land belongs to Pharaoh. I just have to be a good servant. I just have to be a good servant. He gives the sword seed to the sower and he will send the rain in its appointed time. Do you understand what famine is supposed to do? That's why I said let's go over all the other famines and hit Joseph. Hit Joseph. Because Jacob's family has to be dealt. That famine in their family is a completely different story. That fam- famine has been deliberately targeting the, their distinct to bring them to repentance. That's the whole thing to bring them to repentance. This famine will bring ten brothers to Jesus, to Joseph. And they have to be redeemed from their blood guilt. They have sinned against their father and their brother. Love your father with all your heart. Love your neighbor. They have done both evil. And they are covering it up and walking nicely. If everything is over, the famine will bring what is inside out and reveal it. So that is famine is for another thing there. 
another thing there. Their famine is different. This famine is different. What he is doing in the midst of it is a different story altogether. So we are going through a famine. That's why this thing. Once the prison doors are open and the chains come off, what will we do? What will we do? Did we learn the lessons of famine? We'll come back and say after 21 days, you know, Lord, is, are we asking each day, Lord, is there anything still left that I need to give over? Anything still left, Lord? Show me, Lord. Anything left? My sleep? My food? Do you like my food habits, Lord? My sleeping habits, Lord? My praying habits, Lord? My praise? Is there anything, Lord, I need to give over? Because when you give over, he gives it back to you. He doesn't keep it. But when he gives it back to you, it's a different thing. That's what you did. Can God move you? Once you are given, it's very easy. Go. You know how difficult it is for God to move people? Even when you want to be moved, we decide where to move. Right now? Dubai, Abu Dhabi, <laughs> Bahri, Noman. Now nobody wants to go anywhere. Nobody wants anybody. But that's how we plan our moves, right? We don't plan moves like God. Or receive it as God speaks. Um, go to Kerith. But what ministry can I do in Kerith? He didn't ask any questions. Turn his go to Kerith. And Lord, what will I? He said, no. Ravens will feed you. Just sit there. Just sit there. Chup chup. Eat bread. Drink water. Sit there. He could be moved. Pharaoh moved. So when you look at these principles and see Joseph moving people, what made them to the point where they could be moved? What will bring us to the point where God can move us? That was Jesus came, son of God, humbled himself. Brothers came and said, if you really come for public ministry and all, you should buy advertisement van and all, put your pictures over there, go to Jerusalem and have music and gather. He said, your time is always. My time is not. Did you see? He could be moved. Kept back and moved as God. God kept on moving him until he moved him onto the cross. The cross was not up, it was down. This is the fundamental fundamental principle of famine. When famine comes, then only we will realize what all has failed in our life. Okay, what all has failed in our life? No, at all. Now we still have uh, a place. Thank God for that. But let's say we run out of food. How much will it affect us? Run out of food. How do we factor that in? We lost our freedom to move out. Has it upset us? I mean, honestly, for us, it makes no difference. It's like life is always the same. Actually, we feel we are working too much now. More now, not too much. It's never too much. More now. That's that's my fundamental picture. That this is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. When this famine has come in, you actually realize nothing major changes you have to make. That's what Paul tells. Paul uses an incredible statement in the book. I know how to abound. I know how to abase. 
And in all things, I've learned the secret of being content. In all things. It doesn't matter whether it's salmon or a harvest. My life doesn't drastically change in either situation. It is still always the same because my contentment comes from God. That's the question I'm talking about. Once the chains go and the doors are open, the jailer is about to kill himself. Paul says, he doesn't say, we two are here. He says, we all are here. Nobody is left. Nobody is left. Arrested by God. We are all here. We are all here. We are all here. Will famine change us? At the end of 21 days we realize, Lord, is there anything still left for me to give over? Anything still left? And then God says, because you have given over everything, now I will give you the seed. You can start sowing. You can start sowing. I will give you the seed. I will give you the word. The word is the seed. I will give you the seed. You can sow. I'll give you the seed. It's a simple message. It's not as simple as it looks. It's the giving over that people struggle with. It's a giving over. You know, and at every level you will realize this principle hits us. How much have I given over to God? You know why we struggle? If you look into our lives, all the areas we struggle are the areas we have been given over. In every area we have given over, there is peace because he is in control. It's like yesterday I said, the hardened heart. Our heart may not be hardened. There are portions that are hardened. There are hard. In the same way, wherever we have peace is areas where we have handed over. Where we have been handed over, we still struggle. We still struggle. See the principle behind famine? Got the principle? It's not simple, not simple as you think. He took them through seven years of plenty. Joseph gathered everything. And they stored it all. Then the famine came. The people said, we are hungry. He said, go to Joseph. Joseph said, okay. His salvation was free. His surrender, you will have to buy it. Your growth is not free. Your sanctification is not free. You will have to buy it. Buy from me. Buy from me. He tells the Lavoration Church, buy from me. The salvation was free. I paid the price for it. After that, you have to be willing to pay. Are you willing to pay? Didn't he say? In Revelation 3? Buy from me. Gold refined in fire. You know, go there, no, Pastor Vijay. Revelation 3. He didn't say I will give it to you. People think sanctification comes without a price. No. It's never free. Revelation 3. I counsel you, yeah. I counsel you to buy from me. Ah, that what gold? It's very expensive. This is not 18 karat gold. This 24 karat. To get that gold, you have to sell everything you have. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That you may be rich. And you and oh you have to buy white garments also from him. I thought white garments was free. Yeah, the initial righteousness is free. The growth in righteousness is not. The vest you buy inside which covers your nakedness is free. The shirt you have to buy. Vest he will give you. That is free. Did you see how everything changed? That's what Joseph is doing. And that's what God is asking us to do. That's why this whole principle about why this way is difficult. Buy. Are we ready to buy? Are we willing to pay the price? That's why I said the actual willingness will come after the lockdown is over. Right now people have nothing to do. When you want to do something, you can't do anything. You just have to sit inside. And if you are living in a crowded colony, if you come out also, the police will beat you. So you are forced to sit inside. But this stage will be over. Once this stage is over, will you have inculcated the habit of actually sitting before God? Even if there is no sermon. Now you are buying. Now you are buying. You are buying gold. No? You are buying gold. That's what you are talking about. Like in the Nepali service I was talking about. The pastor whose house got burnt. And then when he went in, he found a clay cup in which he used to drink his coffee cup. So next Sunday he preached with the coffee cup. He said, do you see this cup? He said, yes, this is the only thing I got out of my house which was burned down. He said, do you know why? He said, because this had already gone through the fire. The second fire couldn't do anything to it. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had bought it with fire. Their integrity, their righteousness. They had bought it with fire. So when they were thrown into a man-made fire which was seven times hotter, it didn't touch them. Because they had bought a gold that was refined in fire. How many times? Seven times. How is your word? Seven times refined. That's what the Bible says. What kind of, what kind of, uh, word did we eat? That was the first thing they were told. Last thing they were told. What should I should? Don't dip, boil it in water. Don't eat it raw. Roast it in the, has the fire of the Holy Spirit fallen upon the word which you have eaten? That's what it's saying. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Ha, wait a second. Does that mean the words of the Lord needs purification? No. It is the vessel. It is the preacher who preaches has to be purified seven times over. When that man comes and preaches, the word is different. John the Baptist was purified seven times over so he could come and preach and the whole crowds went to the wilderness to hear him. The word does not get pure. But to get that word, the man of God has to be gone through all their trial. That is what Zarephath means. Zarephath means what it said? Uh, furnace. And Kerith means cutting away. Kerith means he's being cut away. The flesh has been cutting away. Zarephath means furnace. Now he's being purified. Why? Because he's one day supposed to stand on Mount Carmel all alone. Before all the powers of darkness. He has been purified seven times. He doesn't buckle. He doesn't buckle. He stands there all alone from morning till evening. Without buckling. 
Why? Because he was purified seven times over. In the midst of all this opposition, the king, his army, everybody, the people, 450 prophets of Baal, one man standing alone there. One man standing around. How do you think he was able to stand alone over there? It's because he had been purified seven times over. What is coming is going to be worse than this. And God says, they who know the Lord will do great exploits. They will stand. They will not go down under pressure. But it does not happen like that. You have to be willing to pay that price and buy it from him. And he's the only one who can sell it. Nobody else can sell it. Only Joseph sells it. There's no black market and no picheka, darwaja, kuch nahi hai over there. Nothing you can do. No jugad, online ordering, nothing. Only Joseph sells it. You have to. And when you go to, he will ask, make demands of you. What else do you have that you can sell? Everything over. Now we, us and our land. He said, okay, fine, sell it. Sell it. I want everything, your wife, your children, your cat, your dog, your affections, whatever you're attached to, I want it all. Everything I want. Then, once that is done, he's able to move us. That movement is movement. Now God is moving us. Move. Where he wants us. Otherwise we make plans and add God into the big picture. And we say, God moved me. Just God was very moved by your movement. This is the story of famine. So this evening, look at that. The word of the Lord are pure words. That's what we want. That's why he told them, you know what? Roast it. That's when they got offended. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Flesh and blood is a man's life. Is until your life is exchanged for my life, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. You will not. The walk of faith should end where my life has completely ended and his life has come in. You live by faith alone. So Paul says, I no longer live. Yet I live. But the life I live now in the faith the son of God and he lives through me. Once everything is sold, everybody is still doing the same work in the same field but it is not the same. Their body, soul, land, everything belongs to the Pharaoh. It's not the same. It is not the same. Though it is outwardly, he may not move you at all. He may just keep you in the same job, in the same house, everything. But you know it is not the same that you know you belong to him. Outwardly looks the same. Nothing seems to have changed. Oh, fine. I ate for five years, fifth year. Okay. My land is back. I got also seed to sow. But you don't realize something. You know what? That's what Paul is talking about. I'm a free man. But it begins with, I a bond slave of Jesus Christ. I belong to him. If he hadn't put that line in Romans chapter one, we wouldn't have known. We wouldn't have known. And then you see that line and then you see his letters continue. Continuously all the way you realize this is a slave speaking, meaning he has waived off his rights. What to say and what not to say. Where to go and where not to go. 
is waved off his right. Therefore, God is able to speak to him more than any man ever lived, other than his son. And his very words become scripture. Why? Because he was completely sold out. So God says, when Paul speaks, I speak. Nobody ever said like that before. You need to understand for Moses to bring the law, he had to sit with God for 40 days and 40 nights and then he got it. Paul, no. Everything he said was scripture. Everything. It was scripture. From Romans all the way to Philemon. If Hebrews is also his. And God is saying, I want you to look at this man's life and I have to see what his life came out, the fruit of it, and says, this is what I can do with each one of you. You think by giving to God, you lose. He said, nobody has lost by giving to God. This is what will be the outflow of your life if you give yourself completely to me. Then I will live through you and you have no clue what happens when God lives through a man. That should be the end result of famine. And you know where, how he came out like that? He came out like that after three years in the wilderness of Saudi Arabia. He said, when this happened, I did not consult with flesh and blood. I went to the deserts of Arabia and then I came out. And what I received, I received not from man, I received from God. He went into a self-imposed famine. And sold himself completely to God in those three years and came out a different man. Twelve years later I went to see Peter and James. He didn't need. He didn't need to meet anybody. Then when they go and they say, yeah, what our brother Paul said, we also agree with. These are all senior fellows. You see that? <laughs> we have nothing to add to what he says. And Peter will write in his last letter, final letter, I am ready to put my tabernacle or away. I want to encourage you. And at the end of his life, meaning at the end of his spiritual tra- trajectory where he is finishing his race, he says, I don't understand what Paul says. Think about it. At the end of his spiritual race, that's when you spiritually reach that peak where you really, really understand. He says, I actually don't understand Many of the things our brother Paul writes. He's not saying in the beginning of his ministry, he's saying at the end of his ministry. We have to see everything in spiritual light and in the light of eternity. That's why God tells this man, you fool, you made all these physical things, what is going to happen to you? Tomorrow you will die, tonight you will die. That's why he said, you can store up riches in heaven. That's what God is talking about. You have to look at it and through it all and get fascinated with the kingdom of God and with the king. You know, never fear. Always keep telling there is this fear that is gripping. All these things should break that fear. Look at that. You, know? you look at, I mean, for those people who are watching, you, 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 you people who are watching, you don't realize. All that you see happened in the last few weeks. Somebody donated us this carpet. Out of the blue it came. Somebody donated us this. 
this came. Somebody donated us this. And then we, for one Sunday, we did not get the church hall because of, so we had to move to another hall. And then, because we thought we will shift all the sound system, later in the week, we brought the whole sound system here. And then the shutdown began. Then suddenly, this curtain was donated. So suddenly, this was given by somebody else. So suddenly, we have a beautiful setting, which does not make any difference to us, but it does make a lot of difference to the camera. And the sound system is here. And every lockdown comes in, we got the church sound system sitting here. We should be sitting 10 kilometers away with, through this lockdown. You cannot even go to pick anything. And we got all this situation sitting here. The background looks good. We have this, we have this, we have everything here. And then suddenly God says, go live streaming. That is one side of it. The physical material side of it, God provided. For years we have been sitting together, studying, 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 stalking, 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 stalking. And a famine has come. God says, come out and give. Twice a day. Two hours. Four hours. It is not taxing. It's taxing our body. It's not taxing our soul. And how it all fit in. Okay. And what we always did as a system, as a church, is that always feed the poor. And in this complete lockdown, you know how many calls we got today saying there are so many hungry sitting on the streets because of the lockdown. They knew who to call. They knew who to call. They said, if you do it, we will do it. You just make the food. They said, fine. We did it. Made packets, 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 packets and send it in the evening. That's the first thing after the first session I got. He said, four has been fed. So, did the lockdown, did the famine in any way affect us? No. It doesn't affect us in any way. We are thriving in famine. Thriving in famine. That is why you have to do things by faith. When the famine comes, you will realize what you did was real or not. Nothing. Everything we did is working well. And even our little children, the, the special needs children, before the flight is being blocked, one day, hours, 13 or 14 hours before that motherlands. Okay, motherlands. And then she gets her paperwork all down and she is flying to Delhi. She finds, last minute, that also she managed, Air India managed to reach Delhi. And remember, if she had been, now remember, the first, let me tell you this thing, the first two parents who came for their child was from Italy. The child threw a tantrum, so they refused. She said, that little child said, I don't want that parent. And she threw a tantrum, so the child reje- rejected the parents literally. Now imagine if she had said yes, and God hadn't moved her to say no, she had said, the child would be in Italy now. Okay. All we can do is pray, Lord, we have no control over this. These are government children. Whoever takes her, this thing goes. Okay. Look at that. The child would have been in Italy. Okay. And then, this particular parent is not from US too. Because US it is difficult. US you have to do the whole process over here. You have to get an Indian passport. You have to go wait for the visa. But if it had been this thing, everything is shut down. US visa services, everything is shut down. But this was from another country, Scandinavian country, where you don't have to go through any of this process. Even as soon as you got your adoption papers, you get that country's passport here. All you need is an exit visa. So that happened in one day. And before the borders or international flights were closed here, six hours or seven hours before the parents flew out. 
came in like that, went out like that. Isn't there God? And I was looking at the other one sitting over there saying, Oh Lord, this child has been Ganpa, when will I come, when will I go, when will I go? So honey, honey, if you think Ganpa is there. And as soon as this one went, within the next day, that one also went. So now we have only severely challenged kids. All the normal kids are adopted and gone. And everything just before lockdown. Just, and then it happens, lockdown happens. And you want to see these are all random things? That everything ministry of yours, whatever, everything is taken care of. God has taken care of it all. God saying, I'm in control. Don't worry. Famine does not matter. What matters is the famine inside. There is a famine he's sending on the world. It's the famine of the hearing of the word of God. Guard your heart from that famine. That's the dangerous famine. It's not a famine that is outside. Everyone who heard during the famine, whether it was Isaac, whether it was Elijah, whether it was Joseph, whether it was uh, Elisha, they came through famine untouched because they heard. Even David. Only because he got deceived. Because you should have always remembered Gibeonites are deceivers. <laughs> so he should have given a solution and not asked them for a solution. In their solution, they flattered him and then put him in a bind where he couldn't go back on his word. Then they got seven sons of Saul to hang. So the Gibeonites are always deceivers. So he should have got that in his head. Oh, these are Gibeonites. I need to be very careful with them. Isn't that what they did with Joshua 500 years ago? These guys don't change. Deceivers are deceivers unless they come to Christ. So that's how it works. So we look at all the small little things like this. I look at the small little things. Because when I get all these people saying, Oh, where is this place? It looks so cute. I said, you have no idea. It was made cute only two weeks back. Everything. And really, you know, we don't need this. We feel hot in this. But everybody says it looks good in the camera. And we went live streaming, which we never ever thought we would go live streaming. And you know what? Another thing I will tell you, which is even more funny. I was thinking that I will take this pulpit to the church and bring this small pulpit back. But the thing is that it didn't happen because of the lockdown. And because live streaming, this pulpit covers for all you see a wash basin that is behind. <laughs> I'm telling you, my God is God jokes. Any other pulpit, the wash basin would have seen. And people don't realize this is a normal sitting room with a wash basin over there. And pulpit nicely covers the Wash basin. So you hear the word, you're convicted in your heart and your mind, and you wash your works. <laughs> That's all, just to make you laugh. Okay, all of you have to, we will bring it to a close today. But I'm telling you, you can trust God with the small details of your life and the big things of your life. You have given over yourself to Him. That was what Joseph did during famine. And you know what he did? He took it all and handed it all over to for whose sake? For his father. No, for the Pharaoh. What does the scripture say? Jesus will subdue everything, bring it under his feet and then give it to his father. Give it to his father so that God will be all and in all. That's what Jesus is doing in heaven, creating famines in everybody's city until everybody is surrendered. When everybody is surrendered, he says, here, daddy, here's your, here's your children. Daddy, they're all yours. And God will be in all. And God will be all. <laughs> you know the beauty of scripture? No, so don't be afraid to surrender. Please, don't be afraid to surrender. 
it's only it's only scary in the beginning but more you do it you will realize actually you know you understand the joy more than the joy is the liberty that comes with freedom that comes with surrender the freedom that comes with surrender liberty comes only through surrender and a surrendered person is a free person where the spirit is lord there is liberty when you come under that you are free let's pray father we just come to you lord in the name of jesus we just thank you we just praise you we just worship you lord thank you thank you father from the little details to the big ones every day you are taking care of our lord everything you are taking care of we just want to thank you thank you thank you lord thank you thank you lord you said in your word i was young and i'm old i've never seen the righteous beg bread but they give freely these are all words of oh father we need to know because our freedom in giving is never determined by good times it is determined by famine because if your truth has gone deep in and it is still working in the time of famine we give more and not less because you work through us and that's all we pray lord all these days of famine help us to give out more and more and more lord help us to be faithful servants who take the resources of the father and pass it out on to the needy the hungry souls waiting for the word the famished soul waiting for the meat of the word the hungry infants waiting for the milk of the word nothing will go waste lord nothing nothing will go waste nothing will go waste and i pray and i speak comfort into every soul that is hearing it doesn't matter because you are not going to a cruel master you're going to your father and your father loves you he loves you with an everlasting love so it doesn't matter how much of your time you have wasted he's giving you time now to redeem that lost time because as a father he longs for your spiritual success that you finish the race as an overcomer so i pray father every one of them will repent every one of them will go into that path of restoration every one of them will go to the road of redeeming their time and he would start speaking to them and but above all keep us humble lord that's your first requirement keep us humble always oh lord always thank you father thank you we thank you for today we thank you for all the three services and all the people who heard father we just thank you we just thank you we just thank you it's our honor our privilege to serve you always oh lord If the land belongs to pharaoh then our body soul spirit belongs to you lord and everything that we have is yours you give seed to the sower and we believe you will give us tomorrow also the seed to sow lord Tonight we will rest if you give us one more one more day in the land of the living when we come back here you would have given us a seed to sow in your field because this people who are hearing is your field lord thank you father thank you thank you we praise you we worship you we glorify you lord we bless your holy name we bless your holy name we bless your holy name and once again lord though we are tired yet we will proclaim thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever and ever for in jesus name we pray 
Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us.